So there was this 19th century um, writer, philosophy, this woman who I really admire, but I'm not going to tell you her name because I really didn't like the things she wrote. Because um, she wrote about, you know, pro-communism, which I'm against. So I didn't like her writings, but I, this is odd. I loved her life, and I loved her philosophy. And so her life was this. She actually grew up in Russia to a very poor family uh, in Russia, and her father was an angry, abusive man. Um, so she had this terrible, terrible childhood. She escapes Russia, comes to the United States, and um, here in the United States she blooms, she becomes a writer, but to make ends meet, she actually was this midwife. And as a midwife, uh, this sounds kind of strange, I love this about her. Whenever a girl child was born, um, <clears throat> when she held the child, and before she handed the child to the mother, she would whisper in the child's ear, and she would say, rebel. <laughs> Which I just love. So think about this. Of the hundreds of girls that she gave birth to, she would whisper, rebel. And you have to understand what she means by that. So think about it. She came from a very abusive background, very poor, and she wrote, and I think this is true, especially in the 19th century, Life is just harder for women. You're not going to get a fair shake. She didn't. And her way of rebelling, she decided, against all the cruelty in the world, is by being more hopeful and joyful. That she had the choice. She could be like her father, who's angry and bitter, because the world didn't turn out the way he wanted, so I'm just going to be angry and bitter. Or you can rebel against the darkness and cruelty in the world, by choosing the opposite, rebel by being hopeful and joyful. And so, I kind of like her philosophy. That, you know, what are you going to do? The world simply is hard and cruel. Life is hard. Why not rebel by being joyful and hopeful? And she says, you know, you don't have to be like this petulant teenage child who, if you don't get what you want, I'm going to pout and sulk and be angry. Why not be... The the opposite. Why not choose, okay, there's cruelty in the world, so I will burn all the more bright, brighter with uh, hope. And so her philosophy was really about hope. Uh, rebel by being hopeful. And um, the problem is I think a lot of people, and this does drive me up a wall, um, of course, I'm kind of a priest on the edge, but um, <laughs> you'll hear people say, my opinion, kind of stupid things like, um, let's say you have a medical problem, and they'll say, um, oh, I'm hopeful because they have this medicine or a great doctor. That's not hope, that's logic. Um, if you have the cure of medicine, that's not hope, that's logic. Or people say, well, I have great hope because of this technology. That's not hope, that's logic. Hope is different. Hope is... Um, Hope is, I believe so powerfully in a God of pure love. God wishes nothing but goodness for us. And God is the most powerful. And so, yes, there is a lot of cruelty and injustice in the world. It's unfair. But I have hope because I know the most powerful, God, is on our side. Why not rebel against all the cruelty in the world 
by being hopeful. And I mention that because today's gospel deals with two women, uh, Mary and Elizabeth, and both are, in this one sense, rebelling against the world with hope. And so, this sounds kind of strange. I want to ask this question. I hope you guys get it. Who in the Bible is the very first prophet in the Bible? I thought somebody already knew. Um, who's the first prophet in the Bible? It's the same person who sparked the first rebellion in the Bible, who started it all. Anybody want to guess what, and I'll give you a hint, her name is or was? Not Eve, no. Uh, sorry. Um, no, she, she rebelled not with hope, but with despair. Um, who started a rebellion of hope? First pers person in the Old Testament. It is a woman, and I'll give you another hint. The gospel is about Mary and Elizabeth. Anybody want to take a guess who the first woman is? Not Elizabeth. We're narrowing it down. Not Elizabeth, but... Oh, I think you guys are brilliant. Um, yes, a lot of people don't know there's two Marys in the Bible. There's one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. The Old Testament one goes by the Hebrew name Miriam. In Greek, it's Mary. And who is Miriam? Who is the Old Testament Mary? It's Moses' older sister. She's the firstborn. And there's this great story about this Mary, where when Egypt was being cruel, people were in slavery, they were killing the male children, Moses' parents decide not to have any more children because the world is filled with too much cruelty. And Miriam, Mary, she gives this great speech. Why would you fold under the darkness of the world? Why would you fold just because of the cruelty of the Egyptians? We believe in a God of life. Have hope. Stand up. Have children. And so, you know, Moses' parents did. They have Moses. And it's Miriam, the girl, who she comes up with this plan to save Moses. She comes up with this idea of hiding him, this idea of putting him in a pitch basket, floating him down the river in front of Pharaoh's daughter. And then she goes to Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, she's, a wor she's working it. Um, she goes to Pharaoh's daughter and says, Oh, you got a baby there. Do you want me to see if I can find a Hebrew woman to be the nursemaid? Of course, she picks her her mother. Um, as powerful as Pharaoh is, you know who undoes Pharaoh? A little girl with hope. Isn't that a great story? Pharaoh might have been the leader, sorry, Moses might have been the leader of the rebellion, but who sparked it? It was his sister, and her name was Miriam Mary. And so in the gospel, just before this, when Luke says her name was Mary, Immediately, you should think, oh, she's going to spark a rebellion. Uh, and it, but it's a rebellion of hope. In fact, the name Mary, just in Hebrew, um, you can tra translate it three different ways. One, it can mean uh, beloved, which I like that. Uh, that's actually the Egyptian. Uh, or two, it can mean bitterness. But not in the sense of you are bitter, but Mary, the name bitter means I know the cure for bitterness. That's, that's great. So 
Mary is the cure for bitterness. It also can mean water, but I'll get into that later. Symbol of life. But I love the name, that her name is Mary, meaning she's gonna, she knows the cure for bitterness, and it's hope. And when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, you guys know the story, comes, uh, Mary says yes, but the moment Mary says yes to the angel Gabriel, her life is in danger. The Pharisees get a hold of her, they could stone her to death. So the angel gives her one bit of practical advice. And know that Elizabeth, your kinswoman, despite her old age, is with child. And then it says, because she believes in a God of impossibilities. So where is Mary going to go to protection? She's going to go to the old lady. She's going to go to Elizabeth because Elizabeth, she believes in a God of impossibilities. And Elizabeth, she'll protect Mary. And so, like, I love that. And think about this. Elizabeth would have been considered cursed by her neighbors because uh, to be childless was to be considered a curse. And so, like, I love the fact that Elizabeth doesn't care what her neighbors think. She's apparently a woman of great joy and hope. She's not bittered by anything. By the way, when it says she's an older woman, do you know biblical scholars say how old Elizabeth was? Forty-five. Like, and as I approach 60, that's not old. So that's, that's young. Um, but, I, like, I love the fact that Elizabeth, she may be considered cursed by others, but she doesn't consider herself cursed. Or Mary. Um, Mary's not concerned about justifying to anybody her position. Because, like, it's, she doesn't go to the priest of the temple and say, you have to understand there was an angel. She doesn't go to Joseph and say, Joseph, I tell you, it was a... Joseph, get that look off your face. I tell you, it was an angel. She, she doesn't try to justify herself. She doesn't try and plead. She just goes to Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth greets Mary, and this is great scripture, when Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, she says, who am I that the mother of the Lord should come to me? When she says that, you have to understand what that means. Um, that phrase is what's said, paraphrased, what David says in front of the Ark of the Covenant. And when it says, the mother of my Lord, Lord, Jews were, you could call the king Lord, but for Jews that would be very rare. Who did they call their Lord? That was God. Um, so the same way uh, David says, the Lord, who am I that the Lord should come to me? He's talking about the Ark of the Covenant. Elizabeth says that too. Elizabeth, because she's a woman of hope, she can feel the presence of the Christ coming to her. And also, uh, it says she cried out. She just doesn't say this. She cries out. And when it says cry out, in the Greek, the only, only time that phrase is used to cry out, it's a special word, it's what priests do in front of the Ark of the Covenant. So, and Elizabeth, she's from a purebred bloodline of priests. And so Elizabeth is playing the priest, crying out before the new ark, Mary. So it's not just an ordinary greeting. Elizabeth, because she has hope, she can see um, this pregnant peasant woman, the presence of the Christ. 
the idea I said already, with hope, you see the world differently. You can see the presence of Christ. How many other people on that road saw Mary and all they saw was a pregnant peasant girl? Elizabeth, with hope, she can recognize the presence of God. And then she says, um, and I love this line, then she says, blessed are you among women. What does that line mean? Because it means something specific in the Bible. And in the Old Testament, that phrase, blessed are you among women, is only used for two other women. And deals with hope, but in a strange way. Blessed are you among women are used with two women, Judith and Jael, who, the story is, at different time periods, there is a, you know, some ruthless sociopath who's trying to commit genocide to the people. And you this is really odd. Uh, both times, it's a woman who stopped him. It's a woman who crushes evil and saves the children, saves everybody. And so that phrase, blessed are you among women, it's a warrior language of women who stopped evil and saved life. So, like there's this ancient um, mosaic in the church of John the Baptist where his hometown was where he was born. And there's this Catholic church, and on the uh, back of the church is this huge, uh, well, actually, it's a fresco, not a mosaic, fresco of the Virgin Mary with these two Old Testament women, Judith and Jael, because all three are blessed are you among women. And the idea is that, remember in Genesis where it says, God says uh, that the seed of the woman would crush uh, Satan? Um, Blessed are you among women is women who are going to stop evil. The point being is that with the power of hope, we can stop evil. When Elizabeth said, blessed are you among women, with hope and joy, we can stop the cruelty of the world. Um, so I love that. I love that while we can do it. And on this Sunday when we light the, the last of the Advent candles, the fourth candle, we're supposed to be praying all week that we become people of hope. That the same way the Virgin Mary sparked a rebellion of hope, we want to be. We don't want, yet the world is cruel. There's a lot of problems in the world. COVID, um, the economy, long hair, golf. There's a, you know, there's a lot of problems with the world. What are you going to be? angry and bitter that it's not turning out the way you want, uh, why not be people of hope? And I remember I mentioned the Russian woman who said, you know, you don't want to be like a teenager sulking because you're not getting what you want. I have uh, two friends, they're very close friends, um, where they have a daughter, her name is Haley, and Haley, um, she is, she now has two children, but she really is very joyful, positive, great woman. And so, anyhow, I, I said to him, I said, well, you got really lucky. You got a daughter that was really pretty joyful. And they said, well, <laughs> not when she was 13. Um, she said she always was. But then when she was 13, there was a small period where suddenly she changed. And her parents were stupid. Everything's wrong. And they, like, his name is Lee. And Lee said, I, I don't know what happened to my joyful child. She's, he said, I was like, 
what happened to Haley? So they start to notice, like, why is she so angry and bitter? And they noticed that her friends kind of were yanking that way. So they told her, finally, you can't hang out with those girls. They're turning you angry and bitter. And you know what, though? They said, no, you can't hang out with that girls. And believe it or not, she turned more happy. Um, and I tell the story for this reason. How do you know you're hanging around with people that are turning you more bitter? Or you hang around people who know we believe in the power of hope. Um, does that make any sense? So think about this. You have this story of Mary Elizabeth, both who believe in hope. The first Christmas party ever was two women who believed in the power of hope. Two pregnant women uh, who have the power of hope. I love that. That was the first Christmas party. But do you want to be the, like going back to the Russian woman, do you want to be like the 13-year-old girl who's upset and bitter in the world, and she hangs around people that are other kids that just make her more bitter? Or do you want to be around people that we believe in joy and hope? We're not saying that there aren't problems in the world, but we want to start a, spark a rebellion of hope and joy into the world. Which kind of parish do we want to be? Uh, why not be like the Russian woman who, when she looks at her father, I know this sounds terrible, she, her life was this rebellion against the anger of her father. Um, she was not going to turn out that way. Her way of rebelling was by being more hopeful. Why don't we be like Mary? Be people of great hope. Um, then maybe we, like Mary, can spark this rebellion. And like Elizabeth, we can see the presence of Christ in completely new places. And I have to say, this sounds strange, I am really thrilled on this gospel to be able to baptize a woman, oh, sorry, a girl, um, because... After I baptize her, I'm going to whisper, rebel. <laughs> so if you still want your child baptized, please come forward. Hello, this is Father Len McMillan. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. If they've been a blessing to you, I'd also like to invite you to prayerfully discern supporting the podcast financially. Your generosity would help support the ongoing production and distribution of the podcast. If you'd like to make a donation, you can simply click the link in the podcast description. Be sure to tell us your donation is for the podcast in the comments section of the submission form. Again, thank you for your support as we seek to share the good news of the gospel. May God bless you for your generosity.